Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. Before we begin, a reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information is provided as a guide only. With that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. We're going to have a look at the Reserve Bank's latest decision to raise interest rates. Now of course, as you've probably heard, the Reserve Bank increased the interest rate by 0.25%, taking it to 2.6%. This was in line with our thinking and the Reserve Bank had flagged a slowing at some point, but of course the consensus was for a 0.5% hike. That's why the share market initially, or at least on the day, responded so rapidly, so strongly. And of course, uh, we did see a bit of a dip in bond yields. In justifying another hike, the Reserve Bank noted inflation is still too high and expected to rise further due to global factors and strong demand. And it also noted that it's very important that medium-term inflation expectations remain well anchored. But of course, it noted that it increased interest rates dramatically. In fact, the 250 basis points in rate hikes seen over the last six months is still the fastest series of hikes since 1994. So it made sense to slow down the pace as the Reserve Bank assesses the outlook for inflation and growth, and we commend it for doing so. I think that is a sensible decision. Of course, the slowdown in rate hikes to a business as usual 0.25% move does not mean that the Reserve Bank is finished. It also noted, or repeated rather, that it will do what is necessary to get inflation to target and it still expects to raise rates further. Banks are likely to pass the hike on in full. And in fact, we've already seen the, or a bank at least, raise its variable rate by the full 0.25%. And of course, that will take mortgage rates, variable mortgage rates, that is, to their highest level in over a decade. In fact, the discounted variable rate uh, will probably rise to just below 6%, which is almost double where it was earlier this year. Now, I reckon there's five good reasons why the Reserve Bank was right to slow down the pace of hikes and also why the cash rate is not going to get to the 4% plus that the money market has been talking about. I think getting inflation back under control is critical, and we've discussed this a few times in the Oliver's Insights podcast and looked at the experience of the 1970s, which was horrible for the economy and horrible for investment markets. So I think the Reserve Bank has been right to sound tough and act aggressively. But after such an aggressive run of rate hikes it was right to slow down the pace of hikes to better assess the impact and avoid over-tightening. So here's five reasons why we think it makes sense for the Reserve Bank to remain in the slow lane, at least compared to other central banks globally, in the months ahead in terms of rate hikes, and why the cash rate won't get to the 4% plus level that the money market has been factoring in. Reason number one, monetary policy impacts the economy with a lag. This is because it takes several months for RBA rate hikes to actually show up in increased mortgage payments by their customers, and then several months before this impacts spending. Then, of course, there's a flow onto jobs and business investment with feedback impacts on households, which can take up to a year. And of course, this lag may have been lengthened recently because we've gone from about 15% of total mortgages being fixed to now around 40%. And of course, people who locked in last year at, say, 2% are now feeling fairly smug because they're somewhat protected. At least until next year, the impact will occur and they'll see those rates go up, but it will take a little bit longer and the Reserve Bank needs to allow for this. And of course, this lag was most evident in the late 1980s, early 1990s, when the Reserve Bank steadily raised interest rates from a whopping just above 10% to 18% through 1988 and 89. But right through that period, 
the unemployment rate kept falling to a low, in fact, of 5.8%, which was a very low level back in the late 1980s, or considered a low level given where it had been prior to that. Now, of course, the Reserve Bank ended up over-tightening and got things wrong, ended up having to backpedal as we went through 1990. Now, of course, you may argue, well, things are very different to where we were back in the late 1980s, early 1990s. We had much lower levels of debt and we had a very high inflation expectations. But the point about all this is that it takes a while for monetary policy to turn the economy around. There are long lags involved. And of course, even when you do impact the economy, there's then a lag onto inflation. So it takes a while for all this to show up. And the Reserve Bank needs to allow for that to avoid over-tightening, which I think is what it is now doing. Secondly, many households will see significant mortgage stress, which will hit spending from later this year. The 2.5% increase in the RBA rate hikes and therefore mortgage rates has already taken us to the 2.5% interest rate serviceability buffer that applied up until last October. And they're close to bursting through the 3% buffer that's been applying since then. Now, of course, while some of the Reserve Bank analysis shows that many households are already paying the equivalent of what a 3% rise in interest rates would imply, um, they're still going to be worse off because as those uh, interest rate hikes are passed through, they won't be paying their debt down as rapidly as they were before. But the RBI analysis also shows that there's something like a third of households with a mortgage which will see a greater than 40% increase in payments. Now, this is about 1.3 million households, and these are the households that often the swing factor in what the economy does. It's not households with older people like me who don't change their spending that much. It's households with usually younger people, 25 to 40, often got into the property market relatively recently, may have a family, and therefore are quite vulnerable to anything that affects their spending power. And that group, I think, is the group that we're most at risk and most likely to change their spending downwards in the next year or so in response to higher interest rates. Now, if you want to look at it another way to put some maths on it, today's interest rate hike will add about $75 to the monthly payment on a $500,000 mortgage, which I think is the average in Australia. Of course, if you're a new borrower, it's going to be a lot more than that, but the average is about $500,000. That $75 extra a month in interest payments adds up to about an extra $740 in extra payments since before the rate hike started. So the rate hike so far have added you know, almost $750 extra a month in interest payments to the average mortgage. Now that's nearly $9,000 extra a year, which is a massive hit to household spending power given that you've got to find that extra money from after-tax income. And there's roughly a quarter of mortgaged households with fixed rates who will see a threefold increase in their payments when their fixed term expires over the next two years many of whom will see that expiration occur next year. Now, of course, the surge in house prices in Australia and the surge in household debt levels that went with it resulted in a massive increase in debt principal repayments as a share of household income. And in fact, that's gone to a record level. Now, of course, households have been able to manage that even though it's been a struggle because interest rates have collapsed to record lows, which pushed down the interest cost of servicing debt. Now what's happening is that we're seeing a rapid rise in the interest servicing cost coming at a time when principal repayments as a share of income at a record. And the combination of the two, if you take the cash rate to around the 4% level that the money market's talking about, that would push that total serviceability on debt levels to record levels. In fact, 
probably above, well, certainly above the level set in 2008, prior to which we did see a sharp slowdown in spending as we were going through 2008 into 2009. So I think that's something the Reserve Bank would probably be mindful to avoid. The other thing to note, flowing from all of this, is that Australian households are very different to their counterparts in the US. US household debt over the period since the GFC has gone down dramatically. And the ratio of household debt to income has collapsed to about 100%. In Australia, it's nearly double that. So in Australia, we've got a combination of very high household debt to income ratios, nearly double that in the US. And we've got much greater sensitivity to interest rate changes because we have 60% of our mortgages on variable rates. So the RBA raises rates within a few months that flows through to households. And we've got 40% on relatively short dated fixed rates. You know, typically in Australia, it's two or three years fixed. And then you revert to what the latest market rate is. Whereas in the US, you've got the bulk of borrowers on 30 year fixed rates and they're protected. New borrowers, not the case. They pay the higher rate just like they do in Australia. But existing borrowers, and this affects consumer spending, they're locked in on those fixed rates for 30 years. So that means the Australian household sector is far more vulnerable to interest rate changes than their equivalents in the US, which means that rate hikes in Australia are far more potent than they are in the US and is another reason why the Reserve Bank can afford to be less hawkish than the Fed. Reason number three, global inflationary pressures are continuing to ease. And we've been pointing this out in a few Oliver's Insights podcasts over the last few months. Um, we've put together a thing called the AMP Pipeline Inflation Indicator composed of things like business surveys with respect to input and output prices, delivery times, work backlogs, freight costs, and so on, and even commodity prices. And all of those things have been improving. And that indicator has fallen dramatically, suggesting that US inflation has probably peaked and will fall quite rapidly. Now, Australian inflation is about six months behind that in the US. And I reckon if they peaked in the first part of this year, probably in the second quarter, Australian inflation will probably peak in the fourth quarter of this year, all of which, I think, provides confidence that the pressure on central banks will start to come off from later this year, particularly as we go through next year. Reason number four, inflation pressures in Australia are dramatically lower than they are elsewhere, with inflation now around 7% in Australia compared to over 8% in the US and 10% in Europe and the UK. And wages growth in Australia is about half what it is in the US. So there's no need for the Reserve Bank to match other central banks' rate hikes. Final reason, reason number five, is there is a rising global recession risk. We've seen a plunge in share markets, of course, lots of volatility. They got oversold and maybe they did for a bit of a bounce, but we've seen a 23% top to bottom fall in global share markets, about 25% in the US. We've seen a fall in commodity prices outside of gas and coal. We've seen central banks, including the Fed, willing to risk recession. The Fed itself has a track record, and this is worth noting, that each of their tightening cycles since the late 1960s have ended in some sort of crisis. And I don't see any reason why the Reserve Bank should follow that. We've seen skittishness in financial markets following the fiscal policy debacle in the UK. And we've seen a deteriorating global outlook. And domestically, of course, we've got very low consumer confidence and weakening housing indicators. All of those things warn of much weaker conditions ahead, which will hit jobs and drive weaker inflation. Aggressively tightening or continuing to aggressively tightening into all of this Without pausing for breath, I think this risks knocking the Australian economy into a recession we don't have to have. So for those five reasons, I think it makes sense for the Reserve Bank to slow down and there's good reason why we won't be getting to a 4% or so cash rate. Bottom line, given the need to assess the lagged impact of rate hikes and the rising risk of recession globally, I think, as I've just said, the Reserve Bank was right to slow down the pace of hikes and a break from the hawkish global central bank consensus. 
So I think they've done the right thing. I also think they will continue to do that. We see another 0.25% hike ahead. Hopefully the, maybe they'll have a pause in November, but no guarantee on that one. I think it is Melbourne Cup Day and Melbourne Cup Day does have a tradition of rate hikes. I think that's just to stop economists going off to Melbourne Cup parties. Not that I ever do that, of course. But uh, we think, yes, we'll get another 0.25% hike either November or December, that'll take us to 2.85%, which we still expect will be the peak in the cash rate. Of course, the risk is they go again, maybe again later this year, we get two more 0.25% hikes or one early next year. That could take us to 3.1%, but we think our base case is 2.85% will be the peak, and that by the end of next year, interest rates will be starting to fall again. So that's my view on the Reserve Bank. No major changes at all of that, and it's good to see that the Reserve Bank is calming down a little bit and not following their global counterparts in potentially over-tightening. So I hope that's been of some value. Until we meet again, adios. Now to stay up to date from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series more broadly, be sure to subscribe on your favourite streaming platform. That way, you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back soon, but before we go, a quick reminder that all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. It's important you consider taking tailored financial advice that is relevant to your own situation before making any important financial decisions.